Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to the fab, the fit, and the fun. Y'all need to get together and make an app. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, hey, welcome to the Sex Positive Podcast, hosted by a comedian that's not a comedy show. I mean, I mean, couldn't you tell with that stupid fab fit fun joke I told 12 seconds ago? All right, hey, everybody. This week on the pod, I've got on porn star and industry relations advocate with the Free Speech Coalition, Lotus Lane. Oh, what a delight. Uh, we'll also be hearing from porn star and comedian Kate Kennedy, uh, as well as a brief acceptance speech from the winner of the Best Man Whore Podcast episode, Bracket. Over on my Instagram, at BillyIsProceda, we've been doing a uh, Man Whore March Madness bracket to determine the best Man Whore Podcast episode of all time, uh, and it was determined the winner, the overwhelming champion, really bitch-slapped her way through the bracket Roxanne from episode 180, The Oral Sex Auditions. Um, great episode. You should all go check it out. But I wanted to give Roxanne an opportunity uh, to, to claim her title. Let's hand the microphone over to Roxanne. Roxanne. Oh, my God. Goodness. <laughs> Hi, Manhorg fans and Billy. I cannot believe that my episode won, that that I won by, you know, getting to enjoy a bunch of strangers eating me at like you would think that I already won. Like, seriously, I ended up getting to have a lot of fun with Porno Jim. I totally already won. <laughs> And there were so many good episodes that I, I went against. I can't, I'm, I'm speechless and honored and you guys are the best, obviously. Um, I've even gotten to enjoy a couple of man cons and when they can come back, it'll be amazing. And who knows, maybe I'll drop in on, on the next one. <laughs> um, who knows what's going to happen in the future. And I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you so, so much to all of you for being awesome and open minded and kinky. <laughs> all right. Love you all. Bye. Again, um, go if you haven't already, go check out episode 180, The Oral Sex Auditions. It's the best man horror podcast episode ever. I peaked early. Yep. Before we get to this week's guest, Lotus Lane, uh, you know, it was back in back a few months ago before all this got started, you know, like back when we thought only those vegans in Seattle were going to get hit by this thing when I was on my road trip, um, I got to link up with some uh, a mutual Twitter follow uh, porn star Kate Kennedy, and uh, she offered me her couch to crash on pretty much my entire stay in L.A., so she's very nice and way too trusting, but she's a fucking rad chick. Um, had a really fun time hanging out with her. Regretted that I didn't record an episode of the podcast while while I was in town. Immediately regretted it. So I decided to uh, to call her up and uh, do a little catch up and have a little chit chat. And we recorded a bonus episode uh, that's coming out tomorrow for my five dollar and up fan whores on Patreon. However, I got a I got a nice little teaser of my sit down with her right here, right now for you. So let's pass the mic to comedian, funny porn person, Kate Kennedy. Okay, and we're here right now with a porn star and stand up comedian, Kate Kennedy. Hey, Kate. Hey, Billy. What's up? Well, we just recorded a wonderful bonus episode for my uh, Patreon members. That was very fun. Talk, get into the nitty gritty about porn. Yes, we did. We got into that just a little bit, just a touch of the, it's like the 220 grit sandpaper. 
mm-hmm. real, yeah. a real gentle, like talk about there's, I think almost always there's like a, a bunch of reasons that go into anybody like pursuing something like this. And, uh, mm. the book was a huge part of it. Uh, the job market was a huge part of it because like I said, I graduated in 2016. Um, and, uh, I had had, you know, dreams of maybe working for like the department of the interior or something someday. And, uh, that there was a federal hiring freeze enacted. So that was not an option. Uh, I didn't get into grad school. Um, wow. <laughs> I know. How, how far and, down on the list was porn? I, uh, it was not far down on the list, honestly. And I also looked at it as like, I knew always that like, from when I was very young, like I wanted to pursue a creative career. And I talk about this all the time is that um, I don't have a trust fund or any sort of like financial ability to pursue something like comedy or writing or anything creative uh, because I I don't have the money to do it. And I think that's a huge problem in the entertainment industry in general, um, as far as comedy and everything goes, is that, you know, like you have to eat. And, and porn was a way of like, oh, this job is really fun. It's very interesting. It's going to, I'm going to be able to write about it and get material from it. Um, I enjoy doing it and I only have to work a few days a month. So and you, were, you were also like already a really sexual, like college kid from, yeah. from what you had shared. I was already really interested in like alternative sexuality, like the spectrum. Like I've always been interested in, in sexuality and the way that we ex- express ourselves through that. Um, and so it was kind of a natural fit for me on all of those friends. Like I look at my porn career and I'm so glad I did it. I have like zero regret. Um, we'll see. It'll be interesting how much I go back to shooting professional porn after this pandemic is over. Um, Mm. I haven't made uh, a ton of like plans on that. I actually have to call my agent at some point this week. It's on my to-do list. Yeah. What, what, what are the talks within the industry right now? What are the talk like right now? What's in effect? I mean, obviously I, I'm pretty, you know, just a no shoot order, but like what's in effect in the porn industry right now? And what are the talks about like their phasing back in? Not for nothing. I don't think y'all necessarily have to shoot. There's a lot of porn still out there, uh, still to be consumed by the world. <laughs> you know, it's actually interesting that you say that because a lot of companies are scrambling right now. Um, because they shoot obviously a backlog. So usually they're about a month ahead, at least some are two months ahead. And I was talking to one of my friends, that's a business manager for a site. She was saying, you know, we're fine, uh, because we shot three, we just happened to have several months of content already. Uh, cause the guy that actually owns that site likes to go along vacations in the summer. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, so they were already, you know, doing that, but a lot of companies are actually running out of the, uh, produced porn. And so kind of the, the word in the industry right now is there are a lot of people, especially crews, directors, like production people that really want to go back, um, which is very understandable because that's their income. Um, there's a good number of performers as well that are very reliant on professional shoot income. Uh, and I completely understand that perspective on it. Uh so Even right though that's like literally where every like a lot most of the rest of the country's at where like yeah we all want to go to work but we also like you guys have like the most contact the like it's the least socially distant job so much so like you you guys can be negative inches close to each other because somebody might be up inside another one so i was talking about this too when this first came out is that it does on the surface seem that way but for most professional porn performers we're very lonery type people um the most performers that i know either live alone or have like one or two roommates they're not super social they actually don't really go out that much like most of these people are they like to be at home and so of all of the populations i would actually consider like porn people are probably by nature socially distant anyways it sucks for everybody. And for me personally, like I'm not in a position of needing to go back to shoot professionally right now. Um, and so I've had, there's been a lot of offers for uh, cam shows and various like work from home things. Uh, so I do have one of those coming up, but generally speaking with my agent stuff, I've kind of been like, look, um, there are people in this industry that I know that need this work so much more than I do right now. Um, and because it's a very limited amount, like there's only so many cam shows they can live schedule and such. Um, what is like, it like? Uh, was it like a browser saying like we're gonna pump this out to our email list and we want to hire you to do the cam show? And yeah, like, I mean they contact. 
they contact my agent. Yeah. yeah. And then, and book me for it the same way they would do a traditional shoot. It's just, there's been a lot of emails of like, do you have 4k capability? Do you have a partner that you live with and could shoot with? Um, are you willing to do X and Y, Z? And like, I've basically been like, look, I'm just focusing on OnlyFans and writing right now. So the 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 things that they're the, so some of the things that the porn company, like the production companies and sites, what they're doing, because you're not talking about the cam sites, you're talking about like say a Brazzers or a mm-hmm. Naughty America son. So they're doing like similarly to what some comedy clubs are doing. Uh, yeah, to continue the parallels. Like, look, we have the email list of like all of our customers we've ever fucking had. Um, surely enough of them would want to pay X dollars to watch a live thing. And then they, you know, they hire out. I've, I've been paid more doing com doing comedy online or doing online shows since quarantine than I had in 2020 so far. You know what I mean? Like as, for the, for comedy stuff. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And, and so you're doing okay. Cause you're focusing on the only focusing on the only fans. Uh, are you noticing any trends with who's doing better versus who's doing worse? Or if it's not really that different, like, where in um, there, which parts of porn are doing okay? Which parts of porn are struggling? The, I mean, the self-created content is is popping right now. Um, cam shows are popping right now. Um, anything that you know you can do, and like we're talking about, like personality and everything, um, it, it's really come down to. And, and it's very interesting to see because so much of what it feels like in the industry right now is like, how strong was your brand before this? Mm-hmm. Um, because now that the market is so saturated with all of these millions of OnlyFans accounts and millions of people turning on their webcams, like it's the people that had the established brands before this happened that are doing okay. Um, and it does, it speaks back to like the power of narrative, the power of branding, how important it is to take this very seriously as like a job and as a business. Um, it's, it's not, it's not enough anymore to just get naked and fucking suck some people like, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think porn has been on that trend for a while. Um, there are several performers that I've learned so much of. I just learned about like, uh, domain rerouting like the other day <laughs> from Sheree DeVille. I was like shooting with her before this all started. And then, uh, we were on a zoom call and I was like, how the fuck do you do that? And she explained it to me and I was like, oh my God, that's so smart. Like, and, uh, so that kind of stuff. And like, you know, there are people that are so incredibly talented at this, um, and have been doing it for so long. And, uh, so I think porn has a good handle already on like the power of social media. Um, but you know, it's, I would not want to be like a new performer just starting out right now. Um, and I think it'll be an interesting thing when we do go back, like the, cause the way our industry works is generally kind of get like generations of performers, where of people mm-hmm. that came in at the same time. And so like, there's a group of performers that I would consider like of my generation, like male your and class. female. Yeah. yeah. Like your class, like a yearbook. And uh, we are kind of one of the last ones. I think that'll be this way because what, what I predict will happen is that a lot of the big name porn stars and big name performers will essentially retire from professional porn after this. Um, Why do you because think that? They, because they can work from home. And now we've seen just how lucrative it is to be able to just do OnlyFans and just do Twitch and TikTok and all this other shit. Um, and I think a lot of people, like the big performers will, and this is already kind of a trend, uh, will just shoot a scene here and there for big companies that they like uh, as essentially as pro- uh, promotional. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see the way that production comes back and in what form because i do think it'll change quite radically after this for sure poor mike quasar i know poor mike quasar like oh that man and i just love him and i feel terrible mike if you're listening i'm so sorry about your dog um Um, well uh everybody you know if you're enjoying kate right now and you think she's fantastic uh, I've got a bonus episode with her coming out tomorrow for all of my $5 and up fan whores on Patreon. Uh, and you can get to that at patreon.com slash podcast. But for Kate, for everybody else, you know, where can they go find you? Where can they see you naked? Where can they see your comedy? Uh, you can see me naked at theogkennedy.com. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at theogkennedy. And you can find me on Instagram at the underscore ogkennedy. <laughs> Fantastic, Kay. Uh, thanks so much for, for popping on with me during this. And 
uh, you know, keep staying sane out there. Thank you. This was fun. You too. Seriously, go follow Kate. She's fun. Uh, I, I enjoy her tweets. Haven't wa- really watched her porn yet. I don't know. Uh, it's always a certain line to cross when you start jerking off to your friend. But, you know, that's difficult. You get hot friends who fuck for a living. You, you want to watch. Uh, <laughs> but, that yeah, that bonus episode is going to be uh, available on Patreon tomorrow. Speaking of Patreon, this is the part of the podcast where I like to give a few thank yous to some members of my fan whore community on Patreon. Uh, Patreon, by the way, is a subscription membership to the Man Whore Podcast and all the extra bonus content and community that I've been putting out there. Uh, It really is a fantastic platform where content creators can get paid for the work that they do and the entertainment they bring to you. Hashtag pay for some of your porn. Hashtag pay for some of your podcasts. And these are some of the people who are doing it. I want to give a big thank you to Brianna Brown. Oh, sweetie, this uh, she is just like one of the one of the crucial members of the peep show. She's barely been there and she's like a core fucking member. She's like a like in a football movie. She's like the quirky kicker. You know, she's kind of like a little bit of an oddball, but like, you know, attractive and but you also can't do the game without her. You need a kicker. But she's she's has an individuality about her that you both appreciate and question. Uh, And we love her for it. Shout out to Brianna. Uh, I want to give a thank you to Matthew Edwards and his parcel locker. May you open it up one day and find a whole bunch of treasure, buddy. Thanks for being a member. Uh, shout out to Morgan. That's my sister's name, but this is not my sister. Um, I've only just been able to get my sister to watch my Instagram stories again. Uh, I don't. I don't think she's uh, contributing to my my podcasting business. But Morgan, we like you. We love you. Thanks for supporting the show. And a shout out's going out there to Foster. I know nothing about Foster, but I do know something about the name Foster. The word Foster has to do with encouragement and pushing someone to develop to their best. And Foster, by being a member of my fan whore community on Patreon, gosh darn it, sir, I think that's exactly what you did. Thank you for fostering my talent. And you too can become a member of our sex positive community and enjoy a whole bunch of bonus content for as low as $2 at patreon.com slash podcast. And now for this week's guest, Lotus Lane. Oh, I had so, I really, really enjoy talking to Lotus. Lotus Lane is a porn performer, but she is also uh, the industry relations advocate over at the Free Speech Coalition, working at the Free Speech Coalition, uh, which is a you know pro porn organization, doing some uh, doing some great work there. She'll tell you more about it. Like I said at the end of last week's show, um, this episode kind of works as like a companion piece to last week's episode. Not only did I put these two shows back to back weeks, but I actually record both of these on the same day. I didn't even realize that they were going to be so similar. Last week, you know, we spoke with intimacy coordinator. Uh, as well as a director and producer, uh, Regina Benali. Not in porn, just to clarify. Um, and, and we were talking about onset safety, talking about consent. We're talking about being able to advocate for oneself. And then, you know, I went to go talk with Lotus afterwards, and we ended up talking a lot about that too. But we also discussed, you know, the, the, the very real and still very uh, widespread problem of racism in the adult entertainment industry. So let's go ahead and get to my chit chat with Lotus Lane. So my name is Lotus Lane and I'm an adult performer and I'm also the industry relations advocate with Free Speech Coalition. Okay. And what is the Free Speech Coalition? <laughs> the FSC. Right. The FSC. It is literally the only trade assor- uh, organization that we have in the adult industry. We kind of fight all of the industry's legal battles and, and hurdles and make the community aware of how they can protect themselves and keep operating legally Mm. so in a nutshell fsc is the reason why we still have porn to this day yeah yes well and how long has fsc been around we've been around since 1991 and we originally got formed um with a group of production companies that were coming under fire from the uh, federal government for obscenity charges Uh so they pulled their money together to create this um organization 
that has lawyers and lobbyists and we fight those charges that were coming against our industry. And beyond the obscenity charges of the 90s, we have newer, uh, you know, outside regulation trying to change how we operate and do business. Um, we've had Measure B, condom laws in LA, like different statutes like that, that we're always trying to... You're just going to want to stay. Okay, that we're always yeah. trying to make sure that at least we have people from our industry in the decision-making table, mm. as opposed to just outside government figures using their stigma and judgment <laughs> to to put a clamp down on our industry, quite honestly. Yeah, but and, but and, and Measure B, y'all won on that one, right? Yes. That so was the that was that a was, statewide condom. That was like one of the lone bright spots yeah. the morning of after that election. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is cool. Because like I don't know, I have a cousin who lives like in San Francisco, and she called me election day. She's like, Billy, I'm going because I you know I'm po- I was posting about okay, it yeah. and everything, and she's like, Billy, uh, well, which way am I supposed to vote on the Measure B thing? Yeah, like I want to yeah. do the right thing, but like it's very confusingly it, worded, and yeah. um, but but you know it does go to show that like posting and talking to people about these issues that they don't normally have to think about. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll, I got my, I got Bobby Persita. My mom is now <laughs> on the, the sex work, the crim bandwagon. Oh, that's cute. Just hand, I said, here, here's an article. And then in five minutes, we'll talk about it. And then we did. And she was like, I had no idea that the police could just uh, harass these women like that. And, yeah. and I was like, yeah, mom. And then she's like, we should stop that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to really is, there's a lot of stigma about sex work and porn and people tend to think that we are being manipulated and sex trafficked. And, you know, the reality is I would say 95% of us are not. There's a 5%, but those people that are trafficked are not in the industry. Right. They're trafficked. Yeah. There's the mm-hmm. conflation of like, they think underneath an umbrella of sex work is right. sex trafficking. It's like, no, no there's sex trafficking, of- <laughs> there is sex work and yes. they're completely different things. Yes. Yes, and they just exactly. don't get it. But what's interesting is like, you know, a lot of like, say, uh, public opinion on queer rights changed yeah. as they learned that they knew queer people. But right. in sex work, uh, it's they don't know how many sex workers they know because it's still so not safe to even exist as that. Oh, no. Yeah, completely. Totally. So definitely that's part of the work that we do is, you know, battling those battles on a um, legal level. And then myself just existing as a person i try and uh battle on a societal level and just changing people's minds by existing by being by being vocal being active not just in the um sex community but in regular communities in the world in the black community in the music community Mm. in the mom community parent community i'm a parent by the way full disclosure so things like that where i just try and exist where i'm allowed to exist and and you know, infiltrate with a little bit of sex work information. <laughs> and I take, I take it you are uh, then out to your, in your personal life. Yeah. Yeah. So my parents, my family knows, um, it's funny because my mom's side of the family has always been like, we don't talk about things that are uncomfortable. You know, I even have a gay aunt. We don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. She just exists. Her friend exists. <laughs> we're, we're all good. We're just not yeah. talking about things. And then on the opposite side, my dad's side of the family is super pro everything that I'm doing. They want to know all about it. They want to know who's who. How does this porn star act? Can I go to Avian? They're like into it. You know, Can they go to Avian? They could. They could. Yeah. They just got to get their money together. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like I support you coming to Avian, but like, I'm not putting totally you on the list. I am totally not paying for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, start a podcast. You get a press right. pass. Yeah. Very easy. <laughs> like, you know, these days you could do an amateur porn, you know, post of your own. It's whatever you want to do. What does, what does, uh, what are the qualifications to like get a talent badge at uh avian i don't Do you know just have to specifically, have an only um i don't know specifically because i'm not on the avn board of decision making but yeah. um i know that it definitely helps to have an avn stars account which i do um avn recently launched their own social media paid platform um kind of thing and it's called avn stars like an only fans yeah or something? it's okay. kind of like a mix of only fans but it's structured like twitter so you can scroll a feed like twitter but then you can have paid posts and things and mm-hmm. messages like only fans and it's kind of started taking off within this past year and i know that that's how a lot of people that i, I recognize got their talent badges this year okay okay mm-hmm. and so how um what was your coming out process like coming out what oh uh with in porn like coming out to in- uh yeah no sorry uh, oh, coming sorry. out to like your to, in your personal life oh 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 was um, it was it before you started at FSC or was it oh yeah definitely so um, I imagine working here like you know it's hard to live a double life yeah I mean 
I, I mean, you can to a degree if you are around people that aren't extremely nosy and intrusive, which is kind of the cool thing about some of the people I hang out with in L.A. I, I've been lucky enough that people don't directly ask me, what do you do? So what do you do? I remember getting that question asked more when I lived in a small town. But, you know, when I feel like I can trust people, I let them know. But if I feel like I need to, like, feel them out a little bit more, I'm just say, oh, I work uh, I work in public relations or something <laughs> like that. I just make something up, you know, something kind of similar. Oh, I work with disadvantaged communities and advocate, you know, for them. For, yeah, I do advocacy work. Yeah, I do and advocacy then, work for, And they'll you know, be like, women. sure, that sounds great. Why not? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, once I hear that, they're like, oh, you're a cool person. You're a good person. I don't need to know anything else. I try and make it sound boring, basically. <laughs> yeah. Because is the moment you say some anything sex, then everybody's like, oh, my God, what? Oh, my God, what? Okay, now I have to fucking be my own inter- interviewer, pull out a, you know, list of questions. And it kind of turns me into a circus animal. It's like you want to ask all these questions of an accountant. So can we, like, settle down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I always kind of measure how I answer depending on who I'm talking to. Um, what is what's FSC's, like? role within the industry because there's no there's no union for porn right no there isn't, this isn't it's have, not a union it's no it's not a union and there isn't a union because we're such a decentralized group of workers and no one's really an employee you know unless you're like employed by a production studio talking to a, a comedian i right fully feel this <laughs> yeah and we're you know we're not all located in one area we're all over the world basically there's no way to know like what qualifies as like who would who would have enough credits to be in yeah so it's one of the things that's been discussed but it's not able to really function and come into fruition but um aside from fsc there is apac which is the adult performer advocacy committee Mm -hmm. so they do a lot of um you know social networking events and educational um seminars and events for the performer community so it's run by performers it was created by performers like for us by us Mm -hmm. basically and everybody that's on the board is all active community performers so Okay. What's so? What are the legal battles going on in porn like right now? I know. I mean, obviously, we know Sesta Foster is the yeah. That's the that's, that's the, the big, big one. The the you know my listeners by now you know so long as you <laughs> haven't been skipping my fucking intros you know <laughs> plenty about Sesta Foster. We talk about it a lot. Um, there was actually wasn't there a positive update recently in a D- DC there district was, court? Was I think what is going on now is there there was a like a bill or something like safe sex study uh rocana's bill from san francisco yeah to to study the effects of it yeah yeah yeah. so i think that's kind of a good thing because they've probably heard all of the all of the you know posting and tagging and you know outcry that we've had in our community about how detrimental sesta and fossa have been to us um, so now this new act, the Safe Sex Study Act, I'm not sure if I'm getting all the, the words okay. correct, but that that is meant to kind of investigate how it's affected us and if they need to readjust and amend some things. So the fact that they're open to looking at it like that, I think, is a good sign. It's unfortunate that things have to be so bureaucratical and be, you know, submitted in this form of yeah. a study and an act and take months and months and months. Meanwhile, y'all just have to try yeah, to still feeling, exist while yeah. they figure their shit out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But isn't it is I've been finding it amazing. So last year, I want to say like February, April or something, I go to a um a sex work decrim rally in New York City. Mm-hmm. And then speaking at some point introduced were a couple state senators. Mm-hmm. And I tapped my friend uh Caitlin. I was like, hey, wait, they're like sitting senators? Like they're they're there now? They're, yeah. Are they allowed to be here? Right. Is this, yeah. Is so, this legal for them? Are like, they gonna lose their job? Do you know do they know what they're at? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I had um State Senator Jessica Ramos in New York. She she did the podcast last oh, year. Awesome. And and we're talking about the bill that she's sponsoring in the in the state legislature. And I, I am so it's I'm rarely inspired by politics these days, but I am exactly. inspired seeing actual politicians, current politicians like standing up for horse. You know, no, there's yeah, like they're willing to put their name on it. Yeah, there has been a few recently. Um, Scott Weiner here in California helped with the um, there was like a bill that he passed. I can't remember the name of it, but it basically got law enforcement to stop using condoms as evidence mm-hmm. against sex workers saying that, oh, because you have a condom on you, this you must be hooking, you're, yeah. yeah, you're a prostitute and we need to arrest you, which is such a bad 
policy because why wouldn't we want anybody engaging in sex to practice safe sex? So it kind of incentivized um, sex workers, especially street-based sex sex workers who are at the most at risk, to stop carrying condoms, hence to stop using protection. You whores are like a public health hazard. It's like, well, you told us to not (laughs) carry condoms. What do you want? (laughs) I know, right? So it was really... um, it was really a good win for the state of California. And there's been other um, recent politicians. I can't remember his name. I think it starts with an S, but it was a... Uh, Siraj Patel. Yes, yes, yes. Yep, yes. in New York, he's still trying to get it, get elected, yeah. but he's running again the this year. The fact that he still has the passion is to mm-hmm. keep running and you know publicly stand by us, I think that means a lot. Mm-hmm. What, what, so what are y'all fighting on right now? Um, right now we have um, some more new OSHA... Cal OSHA regulations kind of coming down on us. And I don't mean coming down in a sense that it could be negative. There actually is a potential for it to be really positive because this time around they are asking of input from us, from performers kind of workplace safety regulations. They Had they previously not done that? Oh, previously it was always, um, we're about to vote on this bill and it's about to bring a hammer down on your whole industry. And you don't get the same. No, yeah. yeah. And it was always like a last minute rush crunch to get to either Sacramento office or San Diego office. And that's always the 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 fucked up thing I've realized about politics and the way they do things is one meeting one month is in San Francisco, one meeting the next month is in San Diego. So if you have an issue with scheduling or just travel or you know it's hard to get from one end of the state to the other (laughs) then you know big fucking state it is you know so it it kind of makes it hard but obviously we are resourceful and we're determined to make sure that we're at least have some representatives there at those hearings so what are they um discussing with y'all now uh, yeah, and are they it, talking about FSC or just like performers? Uh, no, they 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 included us FSC, Wonderful. and they're trying to uh, kind of, I guess, create some kind of workplace safety standards, something or other. Mm-hmm. We're in the we're in the um, research process right now. Do, do you think porn needs that? I mean, <laughs> the face <laughs> she made. Quite honestly, yes. The fact that it's coming from OSHA, I don't know if that's the greatest thing because of their history with the way that they've treated us as an industry. Mm-hmm. It hasn't always been with respect, especially not mutual understanding and respect. But I'm hopeful that because they asked for input from us this time around, they are trying to resurrect um, that kind of negative or just, you know, kind of – tense relationship we had before with mm. OSHA and between our organizations. Well, what sort of uh, safety standards would you want to see on set? I mean, I would definitely like to see, um, you know, some kind of language about just surfaces, floors, sanitation. Um, oftentimes, rental houses are not up to a standard that you would want to have sex in. They're just a- an available location. Right. Um, so I would like some to new s- couches, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think there's only three couches in all of porn. And they get rotated on. They're the, the <laughs> same three yeah, couches. Yeah, yeah. They get rotated on the same truck, just drive around the valley in circles. Um, so you know, things of that nature, you know, um, or even just having a grievance process, an actual grievance process, because that's been the toughest challenge um, for myself being here, um, as it was one of my first goals, but I still haven't been able to fully. Um, address it because it's just so difficult is how do people file or deal with grievances on set with work you know yeah. it can't just be Twitter no no and that's the thing that but that's I've the only said, thing that's available the only right thing now we have yeah because we don't have a human resources department we don't have an authoritative figure that can you know do something like for instance the police can do something if you yeah. call them and say someone violated me Maybe not, yeah, maybe not necessarily in a sex work situation, but like, hey, I'm a regular person and this person assaulted me. Okay, I call the police. But if you're like a porn performer and someone assaulted you, what you can talk to the director that's best friends with the performer that assaulted you, or you can talk to the production company Mm -hmm. that's based in, you know, another state, or you can talk to who. And that's why many people go to Twitter because. Who, who do they turn – who? Even here at FSC, there's not as much we can specifically do just yet. We're trying to figure that out. Yeah. And that's why I think there's potential for this new thing that we're working on with OSHA to have some kind of positive influence on the industry being that we're involved as well. Well, it is it, – it is, is – um 
motivating to hear that they're actually talking with y'all yeah because if they just did it on their own you know it would be some person who has no idea about porn being yeah. the person yeah, being that you the send the complaint czar. to but it's like <laughs> they don't fucking know no you know? they don't it needs, you need some like retired performers yeah. to, to be and even doing still that. you would need recently retired performers yeah. because what i've recognized is many people that are a bit too far removed like in years of having performed, you know, the industry has changed dramatically. It's not the same industry as it was in the year 1999 or 2000. You know, it's not this even the same industry as it was in 2005. Mm. It changes so rapidly because of the internet, because of new apps and technologies and ways that we communicate with our fans or put out videos. So it, it definitely is a moment in time where you have to think of the input that we're receiving. It has to be relevant input as well. Yeah. What, um, I mean, have you, have you had grievances you wish you could have, you know, uh, aired from onset? I mean, nothing that I think would be getting anybody, you know, removed or in trouble. I never had any big violations like that, but there were things and behaviors that I accepted as like, oh, this is just part of porn. You know, people cross boundaries. Mm. Um, and it, it was very interesting because I, I I would say that the early part of not of being in porn, when I first got in, I was a lot easier, a lot malleable, a lot just more compliant with things. And it wasn't until having been on several sets and learning how to say, this is my no list, or these are the acts that I'm willing to do, or having maybe an, an, a certain act done to me in a certain way that I didn't find agreeable but it wasn't a complete violation mm. but later i thought about oh i don't really like is there people do things like that is there an example of that something where it's like that's that's not we're not removing the person for it yeah but i would have liked if it hadn't happened that way yeah like uh yeah for instance there there was a director who you know the house that we we're at it was disgusting the the bathroom was gross so like, i was supposed to take a shower in there and i was just like i felt like i was getting dirtier in the shower <laughs> yeah so i mean things like that where you i just wish they would have thought about like you know hiring a cleaning crew to clean the bathroom first if you're gonna have naked people and or even bathrooms where they didn't have paper towels and i'm like wiping on my you know shiny polyester porn outfit my hands off and mm. that's not gonna dry my hands or yeah. clean me you know Things like that where it wasn't like a complete violation, but it was like this is kind of not top standard treatment, you know, or maybe on set someone grabs me in a position or holds too tight, but I'm don't want to mess up the scene. So later I think about it, I'm like, oh, well, I'm bruised there. That's because that guy was like kept spanking me so hard on that one cheek, you know? And what what would have been the way to prevent that? Just like having a conversation of like, hey, like I don't, can we do some practice test spanks? So yeah, you can get yeah, a, test spanks yeah. or or maybe, you know, when I touch your, your knee like that, switch to the other butt cheek, you know, like those kind of oh. things to kind of think about and know to talk about with your partner beforehand. So I would say that, being in the porn industry longer got me to find my voice mm -hmm. because then I would recognize, oh, these are moments where this could happen. So I need to speak about this right now. I need to prepare myself for this or and my partner. And it just it just sounds sad to me that like one would have to be in the industry for a certain amount of time to find that voice and can't just like be, come in day one you know, was taught X, Y, or Z or knows that there's this person who's going to advocate for me yeah. if I need it. I mean, that's the way it is even in the real world. We don't know how to yeah. communicate and speak up with our partners with sex sometimes. You know, people tend to not want to ruin the mood, you know, so you don't want to bring a condom out and discuss the last time someone got tested or or you don't want to say um, your fingernail is jabbing me. Can yeah. you not pinch my nipple so hard? <laughs> you just kind of like squirm and <laughs> yeah. giggle out of it or something stupid, you know? So you come into the industry not knowing how to navigate consent into an industry where you really, really, really like every decision you make is going to determine the way you feel about this work. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I, I have realized it now that the best thing you can do about coming into porn is be a decisive person because mm. when you're not decisive you don't know how to speak up or you don't know when to speak up you don't know if you should speak up you don't 
you don't know. Yeah. So that's how the things end up happening or like later on you end up regretting them. But if you come in a little bit more focused, knowing who you are, how to say what you want or what you don't want, it, it, it is a bit easier. And I feel like the sad reality is you don't develop that voice until a few scenes in mm-hmm. unless you're already that kind of person that was like raised by parents that were like, you know, be strong, do this, do that, you know, and kind of made you into that person. But Were you not raised with that? Um, I don't think many people were. I didn't even think that that was a thing. I didn't mm. know that I wasn't strong. You know, I felt strong. It wasn't until you're put in these really different situations that you've never been in that you realize you need to know how to talk about it, you know? What was that kind of revelation for you? Like, when did you realize, like, wow, I need to start saying, hey, I actually don't like my nipple tweak that hard. Mm, maybe, like, yeah, getting bruised after the fact or um maybe even other times way after the fact months later hearing about people being violated by certain people or being talked to in a messed up way and i'm like oh yeah they talked to me that way too but i didn't think about it as much it didn't Mm -hmm. bother me or i like pushed it away but it really bothers this person it's really hurting them they're crying they're having a breakdown because of something that i also experienced but maybe didn't even mention so now they're getting the worst of it. You do you know? feel like, so by seeing them break down for it, do, do you feel like, oh, that now gives you permission to yeah. speak up when that same thing happens yeah. again? Yeah, because, you know, or even realizing that did affect me, I just pushed it away mm-hmm. deeper, yeah. you know, but seeing someone go through, I'm like, wow, I experienced some similar stuff. How did I deal with it? I didn't. Maybe I, Maybe I should. Maybe I should talk about it. And that kind of you know, awareness made me aware that, you know, the silence is part of the violence too. Yeah. Have you noticed some parallels with the things that would happen on set that you didn't love happening? Were you seeing those in your personal life? Yes. I I, I would say like in personal dating or hookups or whatnot, I would see, or I would feel and notice, you know, men or, or partners trying to kind of like not negotiate things. You know, like, we're just going to do these things. Not, like, in a forceful way, but... Just, like, they'd be like, oh, let's just hope it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just push this dick in this hole and see if it happens, you know? I remember hooking up with this guy who, by the way, was older, like, literally in his 40s, like, a lawyer. So you would think, like, oh, this is a sophisticated guy. They know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Or they know how to talk to people. He's a freaking lawyer. Um, Like, he literally just, like, tried... Like, we're doing... Having sex doggy style. He just jabbed his butt in... or dick into my butt area it didn't go in the hole because it wasn't prepared it wasn't wet enough like like instant mood killer like what are you doing and he's like oh well you know i thought we could do you thought like you wouldn't want to talk about it to me the person you're gonna put it in you could even sexually be like oh i really want to fuck you in the ass yeah pause for answer yeah you know anything like that yeah even that and that's what i mean like regular people were not conditioned to speaking about consensual things or negotiating things we just like try them or Mm -hmm. like look and like oh i'm gonna you know do this and like if the person pulls back then we're like okay no or sometimes yes i don't know it depends on the person so it's really interesting though that you know the porn industry is giving me this voice and giving me this deeper understanding of how to navigate communication with people it's giving you some sexual maturity definitely yeah definitely which is wild you know people it's it's so cool to see because like you know to battle that you know consent education is like slowly but surely working its way into the mainstream Mm -hmm. and porn performers are one of the large swaths of people teaching that you got the nina hartley's out there where people are looking to jerk off they accidentally find a consent video with her (laughs) and i'd be like well there are tits in this so I'll I still w- watch. I'll watch. Yeah. And as they be it, they're like, I think I'm learning something though. Yeah. You know? and, and, but that's, in, it's incredible. And I don't know. I just, I, you know, I actually, the the recording I was doing before mm-hmm. uh, over in Woodland Hills, this woman, Regina uh, Benali, who she's an intimacy coordinator oh, okay. in Hollywood. Oh, that's cool. So she will go. And this is like apparently a very new yeah. job that exists. Yeah, I've read about that. I would actually be interested in doing that myself. I think I think <laughs> uh porn performers would be would be very good at it too. I think we would. <laughs> but she was talking about like being like part of her job isn't just the uh, choreography of it all. It's 
to be that advocate on set mm -hmm. so that you don't have to go to the director right. and say, ah, I didn't like this. Yeah. Cause then, then they think, oh, this person's difficult. It's like, no, you got someone yeah. there whose job is to make to, sure to, both of y'all- To eyeball those kinds of situations. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even myself, when I've PA'd on set, I kind of am like that. I remember seeing a situation- PA on porn sets or- Yeah, sets? yeah, porn okay. sets. I, I, I never think of porn having PAs. I, we do. <laughs> I mean, someone needs to get the bucket ready. You know? <laughs> um, I like to- be you know anticipating things that could arise so i saw the sound guy kind of like putting the mic on the girl one time and and then he's you know you have to put the mic through the shirt right here like okay. and then kind of like attach it and then he like patted her chest and yeah just like your eyebrows rose my mine did too and i went to the director and i was like did you know he did this? Is this okay? Like, what is that? And she was like, oh, you know, like we talked about it and then we, you know, dealt with it. But it wasn't a it wasn't a big deal. But it was just the fact that that person didn't have to speak to the director themselves and say, hey, that was weird. Why did he tap my chest like that? I, I did that for her. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important if, you know, if, if it's available to have that kind of person that can see things from an outside perspective. I wonder if if part of whatever ends up getting negotiated with an OSHA or that just the industry decides to do amongst itself, whether it's uh, FSC or APAC or anything, you know, if if that could be if that might be part of a solution, if having someone from these organization who who's their you know, job is to go to these like big studio shoots where, you know, things. Go I mean, down. that would cost money. Right. Yeah. And and people hate that. Yeah. Not big on spending money that we don't have. <laughs> That's true. That's true. What What's like if, if you, because I actually asked this to Regina, so I'll just say, I'll ask it here. But in porn, like if, if there was something, mm -hmm. if you could go to uh, Mr. and Mrs. Industry, these two or three things, very concrete things would need to happen now to make porn performers' lives safer and better. What uh, might we you... would just need an enforcement unit, honestly. Yeah. Um, all the other things don't matter unless we have a way of enforcing them. So you feel like a lot of the stuff that is implemented now is like lip service? I mean, it is until there's an enforcement unit. Yeah. It's just, that's the way it is. We can make laws all day. The Amer you know, United States has laws, but how do they enforce them? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And so that's the way the industry is right now. We have laws, we have, you know, standards, we have protocols and best practices, but how do we enforce that? If you can't force it without being called difficult, then yeah. you know, what's the point? Right. So that that's why I say that's that conundrum that I've been stuck in since I got here of like, how do we enforce, you know, these better practices that everybody would benefit from when you have, um, you know, you have small studios and they're not even, I wouldn't even call them studios. Some are yeah. just people with cameras and they're going to pay a person to do a sex act. How do you, how does that person afford an advocate on their set, quote mm -hmm. unquote, you know? Or, you know, how can we say at any given time how many productions are being taken place in LA County, in California in general, you know, in America? And would there be a central unit office that all these advocates like deploy from and go to these like some one person's house and we're going to just do a blowjob scene or one person's hotel room and they're going to do a foot job scene. Mm. It's you see what I mean with yeah, the decentralization. Yeah. There's not a way to pull it all together in one and make sure that we're all going to be doing the same behavior. You can say that with the big studios for sure, because they have liabilities, they have contracts, they have workers comp, they have all of that, that in place that makes it like, I guess, um, in the eyes of the law, a legitimate business. Mm -hmm. Whereas you have smaller factions that are just, you know, couple of cameras yeah, who just want to shoot a yeah. thing. And how can you say, okay, you can't do anything until there's a porn advocate on set. Mm -hmm. Set is their bedroom, you yeah. know? So it's difficult. Yeah. Well, FSC <laughs> also throws um, events panels. I, I happen to see a, a sticky for a panel idea. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> is, so is that something y'all do regularly or only at conventions? Um, or? We've been trying to do it a lot more regularly. Um, before, it was just mostly at conventions. We, we try and partner with APAC to do like community-based things here in the LA area. But uh, yeah, it's just as as we as we continue to work together, we'll develop more of a strategy, I suppose. Okay. Well, this one, if I, is it okay if I read it? Oh yeah, okay. go ahead. So the this panel idea is how to deal with racism in the industry. Yeah. 
Wait, I, Obama was president. I thought racism <laughs> was gone. I thought it was done. In the white newsletter I got, they said we were we were good. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, <laughs> well, coming back from my meeting of the blacks, no, um, <laughs> we have determined that we are now living in Trump's America, and things are completely different. Um, but no, yeah. Um, that's one of the things that you just have to deal with. You know, I was told when I first got started that I, as a black woman, could not be a girl, girl only performer. And that was what I was mostly interested in because as a black performer, I have to be willing to do everything out the gate, including mm-hmm. anal. And I was like, oh, because no one's going to want you. So, yeah. like, make yourself available for, for whatever. Everything. Yeah. So, and it was like strange because I was like, oh, there's not a trajectory. Like, you do a little bit of this, then some boy, girl, then like a threesome. And then they're like, no, because you that's, have to that's do- the white performance trajectory. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And you think that you can follow that as a black performer, but you can't. And you are explicitly told that by people that you admire and you respect. And they're not saying that to be disrespectful. Supposedly, it's just a reality of what we are living with in our industry. They think they're helping. Yeah. By letting you know, you know, like, hey, I don't know if you know this. Yeah. But people are racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to give you that gift. Yeah, yeah. And like, I remember very vividly um, being a fan of a website um, before getting into porn and kind of writing to them, kind of being like, oh, I want to do my first porn scene with you or, you know, just like as a fangirl. And they were like, okay, you can come and do it. But to be honest, it's really hard for black girls in this industry. And I was like, oh. They said it straight up? Yeah. And I was like, oh, interesting. And like, um, this person continues to work and doesn't make it any easier for black girls in this industry. And how did it feel to get that very explicit message? You're just starting. You're baby-faced in the industry. Um, It kind of hurt my feelings because I thought this person who I was a member of their blog and wrote to them, I thought that that they could at least change it on their side. Yeah. It's like you may not be able to change the industry, but you can change your your studio. Yeah, Yeah, your your studio. Yeah, so that was just kind of like, oh, okay, reality um and then one of the other things that i would say too about dealing with racism is because everyone sees me as like such a black girl black girl black girl um all of my mixedness that i used to subscribe to and be a part of before the porn industry kind of trickled away and i came into my blackness a lot more like i I was always felt this separation of being like, oh, well, I'm a mixed girl, a mixed black girl, and there are black girls before getting in the porn industry. And once you're in the porn industry, you're black. You're a category. Yeah, you're, you're not, black. There's not we don't have. Yeah, we don't have a mixed tab yeah. on Pornhub. Yeah, so you're black. You can be and, Latina, you can be black. You can, yeah, there, and that's the thing too. I am part Latina, so mm. I always thought like, oh, I couldn't. No, you can't. I literally cannot be part Latina. And I can't be playing a Latina in porn because when you look at me, you see a black girl. So I'm always going to be black. And this always black, black, black label that is put on me and pushed on me as ebony as well was like a piece of wood. I don't know. Um, Not a piano. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It kind of made me realize and step into owning and loving and appreciating my blackness and having a deeper, stronger connection with fellow black girls because of this. Did you not have that connection before getting in the porn? Not really. Who do you feel connected to? Uh, um, Other other mixed girls because we felt that separation. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but that that must be difficult in just that you don't know who. Yeah, like there's no no you're not wearing a label. Yeah, I mean that. we could just look at each other's like skin tone. Oh, you're kind of like you kind of have curly hair. You're mixed like me, or you know maybe I I felt more connected to like some Latina girls because of the way my family you know was raised. I was raised mostly on the Mexican side. Um, so like inside of me, I feel more Mexican, but outside I am treated black. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I had to adjust to. And now I feel comfortable in both ways, but it just was different realizing the placement that this industry gave me. You get, yeah, you get to live your life, you know, your personal life as you are but mm-hmm. when you're on set you are that category yeah the black girl yeah yeah it's black let's see bbw it's like yeah. you're, you are you're your category when you're on set right and there's i mean even with other categories like you mentioned bbw some girls find themselves in that category and they might not identify as that as a person just because they have big boobs and then they put them in the bbw category because they have big boobs and big thighs but when you look at them they're not traditionally bbw like where their belly is full and their butt is full and everything's big it's like i'm just a thick girl yeah yeah like i remember seeing one of my friends say that she's like i'm not a bbw i'm just thick and i was like that's kind of a fucked up placement too because you can't 
So that's one of the things. Porn will decide where to put you. You don't decide where to put yourself. And how, I mean, that doesn't, I don't even, I couldn't even pretend to guess how that changes. Yeah. Because porn is so category driven. Yeah, it is. It is very category driven. I just think if anything, um, because of the niche and because of the labels, sometimes if a production company is producing a niche movie, that movie won't get as much funding as like the just a non-identified white movie, mm-hmm. you know, like non-extra labeled, non-niche labeled white movie. We'll get like hair and makeup. They'll get, you know, food budget, a nice location, maybe another production. If it's niche, they'll try out the the new janky location mm-hmm. that hasn't been vetted or cleaned or maybe we'll skimp on a makeup artist. So everybody has to come hair and makeup ready. They won't provide wardrobe. So you have to bring your own stuff, things of that nature, you know, where it's like just little like, um, you know, scrapings that they keep taking off and off the top to make it a little less the va- the value of the production a little less. That's all. Well, la- so last year at AVN, like one of the topics that was coming up a lot in in all the episodes I was doing was um, the the difference in pay for interracial scenes. Mm-hmm. But uh, I actually don't know really much of anything about the what how like is the experiences being like a black female talent versus a male black male talent is it vastly different oh yeah is it is it somewhat similar i would say it's vastly different so for instance um because black males are um a very usable and reusable tool in porn Uh, and a literal tool yeah like just yeah just big hard dick right that's all you need Um, to have there's there's a lot of interracial porn that will star them so they will work a lot more because they're a very useful tool that is always being used in the interracial Porn, which is very popular. We're not ever used in interracial porn, black girls ever. Maybe like 0.01%. And then there's like a white guy fucking a black girl. Um, But like there's even group scenes like gangbangs and stuff. And there's a lot of black guys on set. Um, What I've noticed is because they get to work so much more and so much more together, they get to create a camaraderie that we don't get to have Mm -hmm. because they see each other more often. They're on set with each other more often. They work with each other more often. They high five each other. They, they form deeper friendships. We form friendships out of necessity, out of who we relate to the most, out of who feels our struggle the most, out of who has the most similar upbringing to me the most. It's not because I've worked with this person a lot or I've seen this person the most. We we don't really get to see each other on set in passing black girls. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. And you don't and you don't feel there's not like big gangbangs of black girls. Right, you right. Know? So you don't see us always, always getting to work together. Like if you look at a dog fart shoot, all the black guys are always there. They're all yeah. working together. They're like all ten of them, like every week. And like maybe once a year there's a moment where all the black girls get and all like maybe yeah. three black three, girls get to see each other. Three on set. of the five. Yeah. No, okay. Right. Exactly. So. And but y'all, you don't feel that camaraderie with the black talent, male talent. I mean, we do. That's the funny thing is they're they're cool with us. Like they're cool. We're cool with them. There's not like beef or anything or jealousy. You think they see that. the white girls and be like, yeah, but that's where the paycheck is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so then. To go back to your sticky note, how do how do y'all deal with racism in the industry? <laughs> right. What is that? What's what you would you want to portray in that panel? Um, all of these complexities that I'm discussing that people don't prepare you for, that you don't even realize until you're in the middle of it, feeling this way, feeling and re- re- realizing that you don't get to form bonds with all of the black girls in porn because we don't get to be on sets once a week all together. Um. Or, you know, it creates a difference in income flow. So, you know, black, a lot more black girls do a lot more touring and traveling and, you know, seeing of clients because we're not on set as often. Um, And it kind of creates this, you know, feeling of rejection already because, you know, what, what is the difference between the way Angela White looks and the way Ariana Aiden looks? Skin color. They have the exact same short frame, same big, natural, busty body, you know, tits, same small waist, same big round butt, same perfect appearance, like they're flawless. Even the same straight hair split down the middle, if you think about it. The only difference is Angela White is white and Ariana Aiden is black. But they have the exact same body type. 
And and if you had that panel, what do you do to make it stick to make it like to make something happen after the panel rather than a bunch of very guilty looking white people right, in an yeah, audience yeah. going that is terrible <laughs> and then they'd send a couple tweets but then do nothing different. I mean, I would just encourage um some of the white people and, and even non-white people, I would just encourage the non-black people in power. There you go. It's not all white people. The non-black people in power to just look around, look, look around them. Who's in the ranks around you? Look at um, the female directors that are being chosen, you know, to be directors that are being trained, that are being given those opportunities. You know, Caden Cross is being has been the new uh, female mm-hmm. director that's been popular the last couple of years. Where's the black female directors from her era? Yeah. Where's the black male directors from her era? You know, that's the things that I think about because I'm like, they're forgotten. They're, they're, their cu- careers aren't cultivated as much. And then sometimes you'll hear them say like, yeah, but they don't bring in as much money or they're not as popular because you don't book them. Yeah, stupid. you don't book them and you don't promote them as much. Angel- Angela didn't get famous just because. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? She didn't pop out that pussy and then was like, like hey, like- I'm a famous baby. No, right. fucking <laughs> people booked her for stuff, was put in front. Right. That's yeah. where the followers the came best, from. Yeah, give the best, you know, bookings, the best showcase, all of those kinds of things that, I mean, even now – you know, when's, when when was the last black female performer showcase? I, I know. Uh, I know. Uh, I know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and um and I know one of the topics that was was coming up with the disparity of pay for like white girls who can charge more if she were right. black guys. You know, I was here and I was talking to some who were saying that they were like denying that they in that they were like, I won't do that anymore. Like oh, yeah. you know, and that seems like a one of these That's, concrete Steps. Yeah, that's something that some, you know, white performers can do. But again, much like the black males that will work with white girls, because that's where the money's at. What incentive does a white girl have to not accept higher pay mm. other than like her integrity? Yeah. Like many people do not get in this job for their integrity. And so it, it's that still too. odd to, to, to think of it as something that's legal. Yeah, it's exactly. very like I know when it comes to art, there's a little bit more looseness like in ho- yeah, yeah. And flexibility in Hollywood like you know you literally you know it's hard to say on a, in a breakdown what you're looking for because there's certain words you can't say that yeah. would make it illegal but in porn it seems like no one gives a fuck oddly the government gives a shit when they want to just like control, just, yeah, control if you're wearing and a regulate condom us, but yeah. we don't want to give you like the rights and stuff. so humanity yeah they don't want to give us a right to feeling like human and whole and feeling like we're an actual part of the legal workforce which we are has anyone tried a lawsuit based off of like just not that I know of people have spoken about it and talked about it. And the sad thing is, is the people that have directly um, experienced um, like direct and, you know, I guess pursuable racism do not want to because they are scared or because they are comfortable with the opportunities that they are given. They don't want those mm-hmm. taken away completely. And you don't think that there's a there's a faction of the porn community that would rally behind someone who took oh, yeah. that chance? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know. Where's the incentive? Yeah, where's the, where's the incentive? Where's the incentive yeah. to, you know, you'd have to want to be that martyr type person because you would be martyring yourself as a black person, honestly. Um, but, yeah, I, I know of a few people that have felt direct violations that don't want to pursue them. Because it's, I feel, I just feel like it's an easy case because it's not even a thing that's hidden. Yeah, it's very explicitly out there. Yeah, you get paid more when you fuck a black dude. Yeah, what? Okay, yeah. I was like, and there's nothing that it's like when Trump goes on that, TV and just admits to a crime. Yeah, and there's nothing that we as black performers, black women, can charge more for as an act. We can't. Say if anything, do you, do you got do y'all get lower rates and for um, like a for a normal boy I would girl say scene? that people always try to lowball us. Yeah, and we as black women have to advocate for ourselves that this is our rate you know do y'all like talk to each other like hey this this guy tried to offer me this did he offer you that too um type of, you know time maybe like just amongst our price friends. you know yeah amongst friends but yeah, yeah yeah um maybe just amongst friends or you know you know it's just like with anything like if you have to warn someone like this guy's extra grabby you know watch your back around him or or this guy's gonna try and charge you less like already be prepared for this or this guy will try to charge you less but if you do this they'll give you the, the extra or something like mm-hmm tips and tricks like that but yeah there's you know 
it's not like we have like a secret black Twitter that we speak on only as black pro and performers. We just talk amongst whoever we feel comfortable with as friends. And um, what can, is is that something that free speech coalition can work on and try to I mean, hopefully with our new executive director, it seems like that's something that we can focus on. We didn't have that focus before, which is great that we do now. Okay. That's good. That's good. Well, um, Lotus, uh, thank you for chatting with me. Yeah. I appreciate it. This was great. <laughs> uh, was there anything that we we didn't get to that you were had like some sort of burning desire to discuss? No, I, I mean, I'm comfortable with everything we talked about. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, Lotus, where can people find you? Where can they uh, follow Free Speech Coalition? So free speech is on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we're at freespeechcoalition.com or freespeechcoalition.com. That's our website. Um, Instagram is spell out the words free speech coalition. Twitter is FSC army. Mm-hmm. So that one's a little bit different. Um, FSC army on Twitter. And then for myself, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at it's Lotus Lane. So that's spelled I T S L O T U S L A I N to make it easy and if you want to see some nasty stuff you can check on my OnlyFans at OnlyFans.com slash It's Lotus Lane I know we got quite a few OnlyFans <laughs> fans nice. who are fans of this show I said the word <laughs> fan an uncomfortable number of times oh, really? uh, just then uh, but uh, Lois this was fantastic thanks for sharing that stuff with us and, yeah uh, no problem why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody bye everyone <laughs> Sign up for that OnlyFans. Okay. What a, what a, there, is there a more important time to pay for some of your porn than right now? Go join the OnlyFans for Lotus Lane, for Kate Kennedy. Go do the thing. Um, if you want to throw some money my way, if you want to tuck some dollars into my uh, digital G string, my Venmo and Cash App handles are uh, in the show notes of this episode. Don't got the extra dollars to throw my way. That's okay. You know what you can do for absolutely free? Maybe cost a little bit of your dignity, depending on your friends. But share the podcast with your friends. I don't just mean your one or two freaky friends who do all the sex stuff, too. I mean a lot of friends. This isn't just a fuck show, okay? We talk about dating, love, relationships, marriage. Come on. We had a whole show about, like, sex-positive parenting. Share the show with your friends. Share it with five friends. That make me a happy motherfucker right here. You can also, if you're listening to uh, this on an Apple device, you can leave a five-star rating and review. I love those too, but but seriously, share the podcast with some friends, okay? Everybody, you know, let, help them discover a, a good podcast right now. Uh, if you want to send me any comments, questions, titty pictures, complaints, you can send any and all of that over to manwhorepod at gmail.com. My bonus episode with Kate Kennedy comes out tomorrow on Patreon over at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Podcast. Uh, get checked for an STD from the convenience of your very own home. Go to trylgc.com slash manwhore. Use promo code manwhore for 20% off an at-home STD testing kit. That's trylgc.com slash manwhore promo code. You know what it is. Uh, next week, I have got on a great, um, a, a sexually academic guest. Ugh, I'm excited for it. Lynn Camella, the author of Vibrator Nation. See you next week, everybody. Stay home and just be slutty online. Yeah, but that one just doesn't have like the same ring to it. (laughs) 